Ah, 10.30, praise the Lord. (laughs) That's right, two hours, give or take an hour. Amen. You know, I was a missionary in Guatemala and services don't go an hour and a half in Guatemala. They, uh, They regularly go three and sometimes four hours. And so, you know, if God's moving, we'll do that. But if it's just me moving, then we'll close at 11.15. Amen? That's right, Mexico. You know, they know, how to, they know how to get into the presence and stay there. Hey, this morning, turn with me to James 5.16. And once you do that, I'm going to back up a little bit. Um, we, we kind of talked about it before services, but we've got our little slide slide presentation up here of, of life groups and uh, you know so we're going to be hearing a lot of that term but um, I, I just thought it was kind of fun put it up the next slide life groups is LG right life's good amen life's good in a life group and so <laughs> so uh, but um, we're excited and, and one of the purposes here is, is we're moving forward in cell ministry um you know, really prayed a lot this past year. We had a leadership meeting last week um, and explained all this to leaders. I mean, we're looking to, to bring life, life, life to the people we come in contact with. We want to have life ourselves. And in the process, we have come up with with a definition. A lot of people ask you, well, what is a cell group? What is a life group? In the past, it's called what is a lighthouse group? And we've really prayed a lot and, and, and spent literally just, you know, dozens of hours thinking about how we could define what we are as a church and what's, what life groups are. And so this is what we've come up with. I think it's up there. At the core of Big Bear Christian Center are life groups of 3 to 15 people that meet weekly throughout Big Bear Valley. Empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer, their purpose is to make disciples through spiritual growth, community, and evangelism resulting in group multiplication. And those are things that are just so important to us as a body. We believe in all of these things. We have banners that we put up occasionally that say prayer, mission, cells. We believe in evangelism. We want to grow spiritually. We want to accomplish what God has for us. And not just in preaching the word, but in making disciples. We want the ministry to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And so this, this definition is so important that we really begin to go, God, thank you for this. Help this to come into our, our hearts. We are a church that believes in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. We're empowered by the Holy Ghost. And so that was so important to have in this definition. We believe that the Holy Spirit did not stop working 2,000 years ago, but shows up and desires to do great and mighty things. And you know, God is still moving in miraculous ways today here in this country and abroad. And we're, we're really just praying, God, help us to see the move of God again. And right now, we're, we've been uh, talking about prayer, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, through prayer. Um, we're doing 12 weeks with the Kids Next Door and Kids Zone, 12 weeks on prayer. Uh, they're learning how to pray. They're, this year, they're going, to be, um, they're going to be going through that. This next section, after they talk about prayer and really learn to be people of prayer. You know, young kids, there's not a junior Holy Spirit. You know, kids are God's children. God doesn't have any grandchildren. They are his children. And he wants to pour out a spirit through them. So they're learning to pray. This next section after prayer, they're going to learn how to be leaders. They're going to learn about leadership right in Kids Zone. And then right after that, they're going into the next thing. And it's about the Holy Ghost. 
We want to make sure we understand and we're teaching our children, our youth and us adults how to walk in the spirit, how to live, live by faith and be a people of prayer. And so this morning I want to talk about prayer. And let's read James 5.16. You're there and I'm not. James 5.16, the second part is where we're going to focus on, but I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The affectant, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Lord Jesus, as we get into this time in the word, God, I pray that you would anoint it. Father, help us to grow. Help us to understand who you are a little bit better. God, open the scriptures to us. I pray that my words would be your words. God, come. Rest on this preaching in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about the power of prayer. And I was, you know, been praying about, you know, which way to go. And there's so many ways we could talk about prayer and so many messages. I I decided we're not going to talk about personal experiences in prayer this morning. But instead, we're going to do a quick survey of a book that you've probably never heard connected with prayer. And that's the book of Daniel. Daniel is always just about about faith. And uh, and believing and standing up. But we're going to talk about um, prayer through the book of Daniel. And we are going to do the entire book of Daniel, all 12 chapters, in a quick survey this morning. So we're going to get on. We're going to move through it quick. And we're going to just look at some of these points that Daniel brings about of prayer. And as we we're thinking about, about prayer, you know, there's so many a- attributes of, of what kind of prayer. And Daniel does a few of them, but we're going to talk a little bit about that. Let's go to Daniel Six. We're going to start in the middle and then go to the beginning. Daniel chapter six, verse ten. And if you do a, a search on the word pray in Daniel, I think you find the word pray only comes up three times. And so you go. So how can we do a message on prayer from the book of Daniel? And that's why we have to start right in Daniel chapter six. Now, as you get there, I want to give a little bit of background in Daniel. Daniel is a prophet who came on the scene um, in about, uh, this book takes place right about 605 B.C. It's right at the very end of the kings of Judah and Israel. And, and he, he comes on the scene, as we see right here, right as, the, as, as Israel is getting taken captive into Babylon. And so um, they're in captivity. Daniel's growing up in Babylon, but he's still a Jew. And, in, and so we see that he's a young man at the beginning of this. But in Daniel chapter six, now Daniel is exciting because when King Nebuchadnezzar went in and he took took Israel, there was a number of leaders after. And Daniel, through his faithfulness to God, stayed as a leader. And we're going to see what, what happened to him. But he becomes a leader in Babylon. And he actually reigns not just with Nebuchadnezzar, but also he reigns with his son. He reigns all the way up until Cyrus. And so he's in there for about 60 years as, as, as a leader in Babylon. I mean, that's just awesome what God can do. But Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 says now when now this is the story we know about Daniel in the lion's den and he's about to be threatened uh, to stop praying. But in verse 10, it says now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, that you could no longer pray to anyone but the king of Babylon, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem. He knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since 
early days. So you have to come to Daniel 6 to see that Daniel was a man of prayer from his early days. And in fact, you know, it doesn't have to make a lot of mention in the book of Daniel that Daniel was a man of prayer because that was expected. They just knew that Daniel was a man of prayer. So I want to connect Daniel and and his three amigos in the book of Daniel um, as what happens when you have a life of prayer. We're going to go back to chapter one. I'm going to try not to speak too quickly, but we have 12 chapters to go through. And so we're going to fly by them really quick. It's a great, great book to read. Of course, the whole Bible is. There's some wonderful things in the book of Daniel. But in the very first chapter of Daniel, it says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And so he takes, uh, at the beginning of any besieging, when, when you're going to go in and get rid of, rid of a, a group, if you're not going to totally annihilate them, what you're going to do is you're going to get rid of the royalty and, and all the, the strong people. You're going to bring them into captivity so that they can't rise up against you. And you're going to look for those uh, of wealth, of royalty, of money, or I said wealth, and of, and of knowledge. And so Daniel, we believe, was taken away at an early age. He came from some money. And he, he became, um, in chapter 1, we see him that they began to look for those with wisdom and who were, uh, had aptitude to learn and to grow. And David and his three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, were, were some of those of Judah that the king of Babylon, that Babylon said, these guys have something in them. And we want to train them for three years to learn our customs and so, and so three years, there's, there's something it doesn't say in here. Really what they, they wanted to indoctrinate them in their language, in their customs, so that they could serve under the king. And uh, boy, that's something that everybody's been doing since, isn't it? You go for the youth. You want to change a culture. You want to get things. You go for the youth and you indoctrinate them and you change them. And so this is what they do with Daniel. And now they, back then they you know, had all these beliefs that you know, if you really want to be healthy, you need to eat meat and drink wine. And so they said, we're going to feed you. And we're going to educate you in, in chapter one. And, and Daniel says, listen, we don't, we don't want to partake of those things. We don't want to be defiled. And so, so um, they, you know, he goes through this whole process and he asks, um, can you just let us eat the things that we want to eat, the things that God told us to in vegetables without the wine? And, and that happens. So anyways, but in, in chapter one, we find that he's brought to be trained. He gains favor with the people and they let them do that. They said, OK, we're going to give you this opportunity. Go ahead and just eat the way you want to eat. And you don't have to be defiled with, with the food that we want to give you. And afterwards, they they found that they were better looking. The things were they were just as they really looked better than the other guys. And so also in chapter one, though, we find out that Daniel was given knowledge and understanding by God. And he was given understanding of dreams and visions. OK, that's chapter one. In chapter 2, as you go over, we see that Daniel gets to interpret a dream. And we're going to go just a little bit on each chapter. And in chapter 2, Daniel gets to interpret a dream. And 
that's in two and two forty eight and forty nine. I want to read. So they're looking for people who can interpret this dream. And the, and the king's really specific. He says, "I want you. I want somebody to come and interpret my dream." And all the magicians and all the people, the seers, all said, "Okay, king, no problem. We'll interpret your dream. Tell us what the dream is, and we'll interpret it for you." And the king goes, "No, no, you don't understand. I want you to tell me what I dreamed, and then interpret it." And they said, "Nobody can do that." And so, so they said, but there is somebody who's, who's wise and they go for Daniel and, um, uh, and so, sorry, I started reading. I shouldn't have done that. And so going to verse 48, after Daniel comes and tells him his dream, he tells him what he dreamt and then he interprets it. And man, the king is just amazed. And so starting in verse 46, then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel and commanded that they should present an offering and incense to him. The king answered Daniel and said, truly, your God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings and revealer of secrets, since you could reveal this secret. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Also, Daniel petitioned the king and he set his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king. So Daniel is a man of prayer. And because he's a man of prayer, he's picked to go into the court in chapter one. And and he's given favor in chapter two because Daniel's a man of prayer. He can interpret the visions he can see things that other people can't. And he gets favor and entrance into the king where the king now is so impressed with Daniel and his God that he promotes him. Now we go into chapter 3 of Daniel. Um, hallelujah. I want to back up there just a second. Okay, in chapter 3. We know this is the story. If, if we know any stories in, in uh, the book of Daniel, this is going to be one of them. And Daniel Lyons then is the other one. Chapter three is the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And what's happening here is Nebuchadnezzar. He makes an image of gold and it talks about the 60 cubits says that the height of this, this statue of gold is. Does anyone know how big a cubit is? It's about a foot and a half, 18 inches. So that's a 90 foot gold statue. That's kind of big. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent a word. He says, gather everyone together and everyone's going to bow down to the gold statue. Right. And, and I, forgive me, but every time I think of the story now, um, you know, there's there's some other things. Well, we'll, get, well, we'll just forget that. But um, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm thinking of, of Daniel Lyons then, too, of, of uh, Veggie Tales is what I'm thinking of. Started getting these pictures. <laughs> But um, in this one, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel's not in here, but they refuse to bow down. They have, they, they love God, they know God, though they're living in Babylon, they're exiles, they're in a culture that's not their culture. They decide we're not going to act like they do in this culture, just like they did in, in, in chapter one. They're remaining separate and they're saying, no, we're not going to do that. And, and, and King Nebuchadnezzar here just a few chapters before. I mean, he's really excited with Daniel and his friends. And now he's so angry that he will not worship him, that they, they say heat up this furnace. And we know the story. And they, you know, they throw the three Hebrew children in there. And in the midst of the fiery furnace, the story goes 
it's not a story, but the account goes that the fourth man appears as a son of man walking around in the fire and they're not harmed. You know, why does this happen? Because, again, Daniel and all the Jews, they are people of prayer. They're people of prayer. I find it, you know, interesting and really humbling. You know, when it said that he would, Daniel would bow down in chapter three times a day towards Jerusalem, as his custom was, I went, who does that sound like? I went, the Muslims. You know, they're a lot more devout, I think, in their prayers than, than we are at times. You know, Daniel did the same thing, prayed three times towards Jesus. Well, we don't have to pray to Jerusalem, we need to pray to Jesus. But it was a regular thing that he did every day, three times a day. And I, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abingham, they were Jews. Daniel would not have uh, put them into places of ruling if they weren't followers of God themselves, which meant their custom was probably to do the exact same thing, to bow down and pray often. So these were men of prayer, and God saves them miraculously from the fiery furnace. And we've heard that story, and, and we know it well. So let's go into chapter 4 real quick. Like I said, we're going to fly by just a little bit in each chapter and then sum this up. So chapter 4 is really a fun chapter in Daniel. It's actually written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. If you read it, if you read it, Daniel chapter 4, it starts out with Nebuchadnezzar the king to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth. And he goes on, and this is his account of knowing Daniel. And knowing the things that go on. And now chapter 4 is really an interesting time. It gives him a, it gives account written by Nebuchadnezzar of Daniel's interpretation of a vision that Nebuchadnezzar has. And, and this vision, when he hears it, when Daniel hears it, he doesn't want to give the interpretation. Because it's not a good interpretation. But Daniel, because he's a man of prayer, he's a man of God, boldly confronts the king. You don't confront the king. When you confront the king, you die. So Daniel now, and it's, it doesn't say that he just was, was bold as all get, but it, it, says, it, it says that um, if you, when you read, and I've got to find it, um, he says, uh, then Daniel, verse 19, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Um, and this is something that's, that's really cool. Uh, Daniel's name was originally Belteshazzar, and they renamed him Daniel. So he's calling him back his other name. But um, my Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you and its interpretation concern your enemies. So Daniel's saying, I wish this dream was about other people and not you. But here it comes, and then he interprets it. And, and it's not a good thing. Skip down. Um, into verse 27. Therefore, after this interpretation, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. So he interprets the thing and then boldly says, you need to repent. You need to change your ways. And that's the only way you're going to get out of this. Maybe God will give you favor. Daniel, knowing his position, he understands that by confronting the king, usually the king doesn't want to hear bad news. He says, bring people around your prophet, say good things to me. That's what they want to hear. 
But Daniel says, no, he only spoke the word of God. Boldly, he says, you need to repent. You need to start doing righteous things. Quit your sin. So the the rest of this chapter goes on. And the, the chapter was that Nebuchadnezzar was going to um, end up eating grass like a cow in the fields and really go insane. Scholars believe that he he probably uh, had ended up with a disease, and, and it's somebody in here would know the name Ly- Lycra, where you turn into what looks like a werewolf. Lycropy. Thank you. I knew someone would. Like, um, because this not just in the Bible, but there's other parts where um, it talks about uh, Nebuchadnezzar's healing. Um, secular history finds that he had something that really happened to him. And so history believes that he ended up with lycropy, where it looks like you're a werewolf. Your hair grows out, your fingernails get really long, and he suffered for this. And finally, Nebuchadnezzar repents and gives glory and honor to God. And let's, let's read that. At, at the end of chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar says at the end, At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. Daniel 4.34 So because of da- Daniel being a man of prayer, being so close to God to interpret a dream and a vision... He was put into this place where he could speak to the king and and correct him. And Nebuchadnezzar gave glory to God. And, you know, there was a there was a point that was just awesome. When you become a man or a woman of prayer, God can open up doors for you to go into great places. And if boldly you'll step through those, you might be you might be the person who gets to share with somebody the, the great news and somebody else will be glorifying God. And um, it's just exciting when, when you uh, look for those opportunities. So that was chapter 4. Interesting thing, written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. He wanted it to be known that it was true. Um, written in the first person. So when we get to chapter 5 in Daniel. Chapter 5 is moving on now. Belshazzar is now the king. And he makes a great feast for a thousand of his lords. And they drink wine in the presence and but but this guy, Belshazzar, he's not a good guy. He's not a good guy and he's he's evil. And in the middle of the celebration, we know the story of the, the, the human hand begins to write on the wall. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was sitting around partying and I saw this human hand appear and start writing something on the wall, I'd, I'd pay attention. I'd, I'd also start questioning, what was it that I just drank? You know, wow. And uh, and so that's that's definitely one re- a reason to stop partying. But um, and so he writes on the wall and, and so he's freaking out. He says, man, can somebody interpret this? And nobody can. Nobody can. And so Daniel, again, he comes in and he interprets the writing on the wall. You know, many, many tekel parson. And he says what it's going to st- stand for. And so so I'll just read that starting in verse 26. It says this is the interpretation of each word. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. You have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then look at this. This is just amazes me. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. 
Hey, here's the, here's the interpretation. Life is bad and your kingdom's going to get divided and all this stuff's going to happen. Hey, good, thanks. Be promoted. Wow. God is getting promoted. Uh, Daniel's being promoted even when he brings messages that aren't happy. Because see, God has got his hand on Daniel. Daniel's a man of prayer. Daniel's a man of prayer. Third highest ruler in all the area. And we need to be praying for one of us. Somebody to become rulers in governments and, and in places of influence. Boy, I believe we'll become that as we become people of prayer. The power of prayer to do things beyond what we can, what we can believe. Um, chapter 6. So we've got the new ruler. Now, now Nebuchadnezzar's gone. Belshazzar is, is gone. Now Darius is ruling in chapter 6. And we know this is the famous story, Daniel in the lion's den. I was going to play that song. We've got some news, Ogun Darius. Um, so Darius appoints 120 people to rule over everything. And then he appoints three people to rule over them and everything else. And Daniel is one of the three. So Daniel has gone through Nebuchadnezzar. He's gone through Belshazzar. And now he's into Darius. He's a Jew. He is, he's not of Babylon, but he has been promoted and he is, God is using him to be influencing now for many years in Babylon. And the, the people, they, they like him so much, the ruler likes him so much that he wants to put Daniel over everything. And he wants to put him above the other two leaders. And they go, we don't want this. And so they start devising a plan in chapter 6. What can we do to Daniel? And they realize they can't do anything to him. They can't make him stumble. They can't make him accept a bribe. They can't make him cheat, swindle, lie. They can't get him anywhere because he's a righteous man. He's not giving in to temptation. How can we not give in to temptation? We have to be a people of prayer. We have to be fully clothed in God. You know, the higher you go up the ladder, the more the, the enemy and people want to take you out. And there's so many more temptations. That's why you're always supposed to be praying for people in leadership that they don't fall into temptation. And Daniel, here he is. He's up there and they realize they can't do anything against him. So then they said, the only way we'll get Daniel is if we can find something in the way he serves God in his religion. And so they come that he needs to. They, they go, they go to the, the King Darius and they say, you need to make a proclamation that nobody can pray to anybody but you. They go, that's going to get Daniel. Nobody can pray to anybody but you, King Darius. And he goes, you know, it sounds good to him. And so he makes the decree. And, and of course, you know, this is the, the story we've known for many years. They go, and this is where we read the scripture. They go and they find Daniel. They knew where he was. His custom was so regular. They knew where he was. Oh, it's the time. Let's go to his house now and he'll be praying. Bang, bang, bang. Open up the door and he's praying with the window open, the Bible says. He's not hiding it. He's praying with the window open, as his custom was, and they throw him into the lion's den. And all night long, according to VeggieTales, they eat pizza. <laughs> have, you, have you guys with the VeggieTales, right? Okay, go on. Thanks for the pizza. All right. All night long, the mouths of the lions are closed, closed and Daniel is safe. We've seen God do some amazing things. And now God is giving Daniel power over nature, 
power over natural things. He's a man of prayer. And because of that, God has given him influence. He's given him gifts, positions, um, supernatural dreams. And now we find that God is giving him power over nature. Praise God. What natural things are you fighting against? What natural things are there in our lives? You know, you know, sickness comes from this world. It doesn't come from outer space. So we can say, God, can you give us power over the natural side of this life in sickness? The Bible says he came to, to be our healer. And so praise God for chapter six. You know, we're, we're getting encouraged because he's not just he, he's involved with every part of us. Chapter seven and, and eight, both of the chapters, they get really kind of weird, but it's prophetic dreams and visions. Both of those chapters, prophetic dreams and visions. God wants to move us in chapter six. He wants to give us power in natural things. Chapter seven and eight, he wants to give us supernatural power. He wants to move and show us things in the heavens. He wants to speak things of the future events. He wants to give us the ability to interpret what's happening, signs of the time. And so that's both chapter 7 and 8. Um, we won't go into it much, but um, also what's really, what really cool is, is because Daniel's a man of prayer and he's getting these visions, they get interpreted by Gabriel. And, you know, there's not a lot of names given to angels. We always just hear about angels, but Gabriel's one of the named angels in the Bible. And, and God speaks directly to Gabriel and says, go and interpret this. Show them what we're talking about. As you become a person of prayer, God's going to speak to you and, he's gonna, and you're going to be in, uh, having dialogue with God Almighty and even his angels. Amen. Amen. Supernatural. We need to get our minds way off of this earth and say, God, there's what, some things that are waiting for us. So that's chapter 7 and 8. Chapter 9. Let's go to chapter 9. This is the, the chapter that, that I hate. Because it talks about fasting. <laughs> chapter 9. We're going to talk, we're gonna, you know, in a few weeks, we'll be talking about fasting. So we're not going to tell you when because I don't want you to miss that day. <laughs> It's one of those messages we don't want to hear about. Right? And fasting is just for spiritual people, not me. Um, but, but Daniel is praying and fasting. And so we get in the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books uh, the number of the years specified the, lo- the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplication with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession and said, and it lists out his time of prayer. And I believe that that he probably prayed more than what's even written here. Remember, the Bible, when it comes to Jesus and doesn't always contain every word that people spoke. But but. But it does contain everything that God wants us to know about what they spoke. Okay? Jesus obviously spoke more than is written in the Bible because he lived for 33 years. And so there was a lot more. But it said, he, he prayed. And we go to the end of the prayer here in verse 9. Let me find it. He's confessing his sins. It says in verse 18, O God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see your desolations. Now, verse 20. Now, while I was speaking, praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, 
presenting my supplication before the Lord my God, for the holy mountain of my God. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I'd seen the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening offering. I thought, when did he start? You know, I... I, I kind of was thinking he started in the morning and prayed all day. He woke up, so I'm going to pray and fast. And he informed me and talked to me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. Listen to this. At the beginning of your supplication, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. Therefore, consider the matter and understand the vision. At the beginning of your supplication the command went out and I came but he continued to pray continued to pray he started praying early and he prayed and prayed and prayed and the answer was sent out and it, and it kind of finally came and while he was still praying Daniel beloved Daniel beloved Daniel was a man of prayer he was a man of fasting he sought God and God answered him and he sent the answer because he was a man of prayer and he, and he pressed through. We're going to find out more pressing through in, uh, in chapter 10. And so we're going to, let's go there. I love it in 9. As soon as you began to pray, the answer was given. Chapter 10, we find him praying and fasting again. In chapter 10, this is where we get the, if you've ever heard the people talk about the Daniel fast, it's Daniel chapter 10. For 21 days, he was fasting. This fast consisted of, of vegetables with no, cho- no choice meats and no wine. He was just doing water and vegetables and he was denying himself the, the good things. Now remember, Daniel's a leader. He's a leader over the provinces of Babylon. So he could eat anything he wants. The king's table, they didn't know about healthy food and not healthy food. They ate the rich foods at the king's table. So he could have had anything he wanted. And he says, no, we're going to... We're going to just, I'm going to deny myself the rich foods and just vegetables and water. And I'm going to pray. Chapter 10. And we go on and, we, and when we read this, it says, uh, um, let's start, starting in uh, verse 2. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now, on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like beryl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words were like the voice of the multitude. I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to be in prayer and seeking God so much He begins to show me show me pictures into the spiritual realm and I see these things. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Now, this is great. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. They didn't see anything, but something came upon them. They knew that the power and the presence of God was there, and so they fled in terror. Therefore, I was left alone and I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor, vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. 
For I now have been sent to you. While he's speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. And he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come because of your words. And I'll look here in 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the king of Persia. Fasting for 21 days before the answer comes. Finally, the answer comes and he says, I was sent out the first day that you set to pray, but I was battling a spiritual battle and I couldn't get here till now. Wow. What would have happened if Daniel would have stopped praying on day 15? Would the answer have come? He needed to press through in prayer until the answer came. We find fasting, praying, being humble, laying down, being open to God and pressing through. The matter is so important. And when you do that, the power of God comes. There's power in our prayer. But sometimes our prayer can't just be, God bless my family, amen, I'm going to work. Sometimes our prayer needs to be get in there and don't stop praying until the answer comes. Or, or, or setting aside an hour, two or three a day for the 21 days or until the answer comes every day. You know, it's a scary, it's a scary one when you say, you know, I'm going to fast until I get the answer. When anyone ever comes up to me and say that, says, are you sure you want to do that? You know, because, wow, what if the answer tarries? Woo! You got to know if you're really committed to this. But, but, you know, Daniel was committed and he began to fast and he prayed and the answer finally came. But when you pray, spiritual warfare happens. When you pray, things happen that we can't see. We did, he, he didn't see the prince of Persia and, and Michael and Gabriel and all this fighting going on. He didn't know what was happening. He just knew that he was mourning and praying and fasting and pressing in. And then the answer came. Praise God that we have a glimpse that we know that those things are happening. It can give us hope. Your answer might just be around the corner. But have you prayed long enough? Have you pressed in enough? We've got to begin to press in. Nothing is going to happen apart from our being a praying people. So verse chapters 9 and 10 are so important as we study the life, a quick overview of the life of Daniel, to know that fasting and, and length of time, not necessarily 10 hours, but, but pressing in until the answer comes, are, are important in our time of prayer and becoming a people of prayer. We have, we have to do all these things. Chapters 11 and 12, as we're finishing, finishing up, but let's see, I, I want to make sure, I don't know if I read this real quick, chapter, verse 12. Um, Yes, I did. So I did. Thank you. Chapters 11 and 12 then continue on with interpretations of visions and prophecies regarding end times. So we, we see this the whole life of David. And, and if you want to you know, have some fun, read, read the prophecies and go, wow. Uh, if, if you're like me, you'll start reading and go, man, which one are we? Are we in this? Are we one of the horns? Is this going to happen? Is this the end times? Boy, but it's a vision into the end times of what's going to be. And God even says, listen, this isn't going to happen until you're dead. He says at the end, he says, you're going to fall asleep before these things happen and then you'll be raised again. But so because Daniel is a man of prayer, regularly he set his face to pray. Regularly, uh, um, three times a day he would pray. And then we see these other times also because he was that man of prayer. God showed him visions. God showed him dreams. God gave him prophecies and interpretations. Hallelujah. I want to just wrap this, wrap this up. I want to recap just really quickly. Is we go, okay, so what about this? You know, we want, there's power through prayer, 
But what about the, so what do we learn from this? Some of the forms and attitudes that Daniel showed so that we can begin to, to see if we have these. In chapter one, he didn't defile himself. He was set apart. He didn't want to become like everyone else, but he stayed and did the things that he knew was right as he served his God. In chapter two, we find that he sought God. He gave glory to God in, the, in his prayers. You read that. And also that, that he went to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego when this, the, the edict was coming and he asked them, pray with me. Pray also, because this is important that we get an answer. So in chapter two, we find out that you need to seek God. We need to give God glory as God begins to move and show through power. Boy, we need not to be one who says, thank you. Thank you. We need to say, God did it all. I don't want any credit. It's God's power. It's not my own. And we also need to know that we need to enlist others to pray with us and for us. When we go into into difficult times, chapter three, we find that that there's a boldness that needs to happen, that we need to be bold in our prayers. But we also won't after we've prayed, we need to be bold people and and go and do the things that God is uh, calling us to do. We need to be people with a dedication to God and a trust in him and non swerving loyalty to God as Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were. They didn't care. They said, even if God doesn't save us, we will not bow down to you. Too often our attitude is, well, God's going to save us, God's going to save us, God's going to save us, and whatever we think we're fearing. And when that thing comes to pass, we go, well, I guess I'm not going to serve God anymore. You know, they, they said, even if he doesn't save us, we will not bow down. Non-swerving loyalty. That was chapter three. Chapter four, again, we find boldness to speak what God shows you. As you become a person of prayer and you're and you're a person of prayer and you also need to be a person of the word, God's going to show you things and you need to have the boldness to speak it. How many times have you felt like you heard something from God and just said, I'm not going to share that. That sounds weird. Yeah. Some of you are laughing and smiling going, yeah, it was me. We've done that. We need to become people of prayer that will say, you know what? I'm going to be bold and speak what God shows us. If you're not going to speak it, is he going to keep can he keep talking to you? I remember a time, and I, I think I've shared this here, that God was, uh, there was a season in my life that God was using me a lot in, into um, gifts of wisdom, words of knowledge and wisdom into people's lives. I'd be meet strangers on the streets, and I'd be sharing the gospel with them or something, and God would tell me something about them. And, and these things were like really specific. You know, things about, oh, you had a fight with, with your grandmother, and I mean, just really, really specific. So much, so much that, um, you know, one time I was accused of following this person around. They look and say, have you been following me? Because God told me exactly what they had been doing. Well, so, so during this time, I was in Hollywood, right on Hollywood Boulevard. And we were ministering to this, this girl. And God, um, as they were talking to them, I was the prayer partner just standing right here. And they were talking. God began to do what he would do. And he would download. You know, I didn't use that word, word then, but he'd download all this information. And it was always exciting because it was, so, it was getting to the point where it was just, it really exciting because you knew that you're going to walk up and you're going to tell them all about themselves and they were going to cry and repent. And that's what was happening. And so I'm getting all excited. I'm like, oh, cool. This is, you know, I just I feel like God's showing me something. And I told him, told this girl this stuff. And she looked at me like I was crazy. And she says, I have no idea what you're talking about. And it was wrong. And I went, oh, I mean, here, you know, I was so, I mean, just been doing this and it's getting exciting. And wow, man. 
And I was totally deflated and humbled and embarrassed and all the flood of emotions. And immediately I heard God speak. So you failed. Will you trust me again? Right then I was confronted with, I'm never going to do this again. I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. And God says, will you trust me? And I had to choose, even though that I failed then, and I don't know what the deal was, that I would trust him the next time he showed up and, and said that. I'm willing to fail. I'm willing to be embarrassed for him. We need to have that boldness to speak whatever God shows us, even if it could mean danger or harm to us. Chapter 5, we, we find that, that uh, Daniel has boldness to interpret the writing. Again, there's a boldness there. Chapter 6, we find that he's praying even when it's difficult. We talk about being difficult. Oh, it's so hard to get up in the morning to pray. How about when the difficulty is not getting out onto the cold floor, but somebody coming up and chopping off your head? He prayed even when it was difficult. Forbidden. Prayer is foundational. Chapter 9, we find the attitude that there's with prayer sometimes comes fasting. We need to be willing to give up those things that we like. And in chapter 9, it wasn't, it wasn't a TV fast. It wasn't a Daniel fast. It was he didn't eat. He didn't drink. He was giving it all to him. In chapter 10, we find prolonged fasting. Giving up the choice things in life to say, I'm going to dedicate myself to seeking God for a long time until the answer comes or for a long time. Pressing in daily, every day, not just going, I'm going to spend tomorrow and pray and pray for it and then the next day I'll forget it. Sometimes we need to say, I'm going to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and press through until we see the victory. Some of, some of us in here have been struggling with, with things for years and maybe it just needs that you need to fast and pray until you see the answer. Now, now, when a fast like that, I, I say you don't fast completely. Okay? If you're going to say, I'm going to fast until the answer comes, you know, don't make it one of those things. Because God, if, I, if, if you don't show, the, show up, I'm going to die because I won't eat. You know, if you're going to do one of those fasts, do a Daniel fast. Do something where you deprive yourself of all the rich and choice things. And, and including in that, I think with every fast, you need to turn off the TV. That's just my personal opinion. You know, maybe not TBN and things like that, but I think it's a real hard, hard thing to be fasting and trying to get spiritually attuned and watching the junk that's on the TV. And so you're going to fast and do a Daniel fast for a long term. Make sure you're getting nourishment in your body, because if you really go to task with God and say, God, I'm not going to stop until you show me. It might be 21, 40, 60, 80, 90 days. Are you willing to go the distance? God's got some great things if we'll do it. God's got some great things. When, when we were... Uh, praying and fasting. There was a whole bunch of things going on. One of it was coming coming down here and, and, uh, and elections and things like that. We did a 40-day fast. And uh, that's, I mean, I don't fast. But but God really put it on me. And so we did a Daniel fast for 40 days. And it, it's good. I've, I've learned in the last couple of years to be, become a person who fasts. And I, I, I've been the world's worst faster. We need to begin to press in. So those are some of the attitudes that Daniel teaches us. And let's just real quick talk about the things that come from a power that comes from a committed life of prayer. Influence. Gifts. Supernatural deliverance. Other people getting saved and glorifying God. Promotions. Power over natural forces. Prophetic dreams. Prophetic visions and interpretations. Opening the door to share God with others. We, when, we have, when we pray and become a powerful praying person, we have influence 
uh, of others and we can be a voice in them. And lastly, but certainly not least, we get to have communion with God. Daniel had communion with God Almighty and he showed him awesome secret things. I want to see the secret things of God. I want to become a people of prayer. I want God to begin to show us visions and have us prophesying, not just so we can bless each other, but so the power of God will be here. Can we become a people of prayer that ends up in power? Let's stand as we pray. God, throughout your word, we, we see the, the examples of power through prayer. Lord, we usually don't take power through prayer in the, out of the book of Daniel, God, but we could have gone to so many other places and we know that through prayer, you move mountains, God. Through prayer, you do so many things. Lord, I pray that we would begin to be a people of prayer and we begin to see the power of God manifest in our lives as we dedicate ourselves to you. Lord, we pray that we would, ha- we would just... Um, have the conviction and the commitment to just press in and, and try these new things and begin to go where we haven't gone before, Lord. And show up, Lord. Show, show yourself faithful to us as we pray. Lord, we need, we need your power. We need your life in us. God, we can't do this work without you. So empower us, God, as we become a praying people in Jesus' name. Amen. Daniel and they really I, them Belshazzar, but I think you're right. Yeah, I always did too. Even when I was saying it, I'm like, no, I think his name was Belshazzar. Well, it goes to the Shadrach, Shadrach, exactly. and Daniel. Exactly. Exactly. And they were all from the same place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I never thought of that. He's not here today. He's not here today. Greg's also has some welding equipment. Did you weld? Oh, you don't. I thought you were. Oh, you did. Okay. A couple of years ago, I said, if I have music in the last five years, Okay. 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 Okay.